Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. What up? This is Myron, and you are listening to the Rye Bread and Mustard, a Mariners podcast, the down on the docks on the other side of the tracks, dive bar style podcast of and about the Seattle Mariners that you are listening to on the Odyssey app or hey, wherever else you're getting that podcast action from. Maybe you're checking this out on YouTube. Those feelings apply there as well. If you're liking, you're subscribing. When we're popping out, you know, this unplanned or unscheduled content, There'll be no guessing game. It comes right to you. They made this shit real, real simple for you. Also, if you have not said hello yet, hit us up on the socials. A lot of people interact with us. I know on Instagram, some on Facebook. We've kind of been light on the Twitter until recently. By the time we figured it out, logged ourselves in, started getting going. They changed Twitter to X, so we're on Twitter or X or whatever you want to call it. Come say what's up. Also, if you're liking the gear, you want the gear, you've seen the gear, you've seen it down at T-Mobile Park, maybe on Occidental, maybe at Tacos and Tequila, maybe you've seen it on the YouTube page and plugging that again. You can get that at at simply.cora. That's at simply.cora on Instagram or Etsy. And if you've not checked out the Brett Boone podcast that we did with Brett Boone last week, scroll on down and check that out. Also, if you're looking for like a really fun episode that we've done like in the archives, check out Tom Hutler's. That's the uh, Seattle Mariners PA announcer who's been holding that gig down since 1987. From Alvin Davis and Harold Reynolds to Josh Rojas and Dominic Canzone, Tom Hutler's been bringing those guys up to the plate. And now you can get him to personalize, maybe bringing you to the plate, or maybe just a birthday, an anniversary, uh, a cheer-up, Cameo. He's on Cameo. It's really cheap and affordable, and it's pretty awesome. So go check him out on Cameo. Anyways, that's all the house cleaning I have for today. So let's get into this episode. If you're tuning in going, hey, Myron. Listen, the game was on early. I already watched the game, so you're going to sit here and talk about game two of the Chicago White Sox series where the Mariners won their eighth straight. They just had an eight-game winning streak, two eight-game winning streaks to be exact, in the same month that hasn't been done since 2017 in MLB, which was done by the Dodgers. Prior to that, you'd have to go back to 2006 since this was done, and that was by the Minnesota Twins. And prior to that... Prior to that, it hadn't been done since the 2001 Seattle Mariners. So that is what kind of motherfucking stratosphere the Mariners are on right now. We'll be back tomorrow to wrap up the series. You know, they had the evening game and then the early morning game. We already talked about game one of the series on yesterday's podcast. So we'll save all those fun details 
So look for that. But today's episode, as the title says right here, this is another one of our tacos and tequila talks. We're going to call it volume three. This is an episode I've had recorded here since the all-star break. I've had it here in the can sitting around. The reason why I saved it. We're talking about Ma Baker. If you remember back to either tacos and tequila one or two, we talked to her. This is more of her longer exclusive episode along with her brother, Richard Roeder, who's just an absolute fascinating guy. Also in this conversation, you'll hear Hanno, you'll hear the ninja, you'll hear our good friend, good friend of the podcast from NBC, from Comedy Bang Bang. You might know him from the Gossip Queens podcast. We're talking about we're talking about Carl Tart. And also we have a, a new friend of mine that I made through Carl Tart, brilliant actor named Colin McGirt. He's from Philadelphia. So again, we recorded this at the All-Star Week on the patio at Tacos and Tequila, where we will be this Sunday for the Kansas City Series wrap. We'll be there pre and post down at Tacos Tequila on Occidental. Might have some swag, I think. No promises. Got to come down and check it out. And in this conversation, we're talking about some of the old Kingdom days, what it was like to pre-game at the Kingdom, what it's like to pre-game at different stadiums around MLB, especially like Comiskey Park. Because most people think of you know, pre-game and in party, when you think of the Chicago baseball scene, you always think of Wrigleyville and Wrigley Field. But Richard Roeder is here to correct us. And also another fascinating thing about Richard is he had a hand in building the world's largest baseball. If you were at the All-Star Capital One Play Ball ballpark, you saw that huge baseball that they would have all kinds of MLB stars uh, stand in front of it like Tino Martinez, Brett Boone, Eric Davis, so on and so forth. And you notice that there was a bunch of autographs on that baseball. Well, we got somebody that had a part in building that back in 1992. He tells us how it was made, where it came from. Emma reveals that she's been to every single Mariners opening day since 1990, except for the COVID season. She's been there. We talk about some of the more memorable ones. And Richard tells us a few tales about the jail that was underneath Comiskey Park and the time that he had to bail somebody out, along with remembering disco demolition at Comiskey Park and how he was part of the first sound check at the Kingdom. Again, this is just a loose, fun storytelling baseball fan sitting out on a patio, having a few cocktails, just talking baseball, talking Seattle Mariners, Chicago White Sox tailgating. You get the drift. We'll be back tomorrow breaking down the game and getting back to business. Anyways, this intro is way too fucking long. So I'm going to shut the hell up and get out of the way so you can enjoy the newest episode of the Rye Bread and Mustard, a Mariners podcast. Tacos and Tequila Talks, Volume 3, plug that will be there this Sunday. That's going to start right now. Get ready to play hardball in the kingdom. Take me to the ball game. I want to see the ants. The Mariners are playing hardball. Did it again and again and again. Did it again. Princess Tours, the vacation company, brings you the best show in baseball when the San Diego Chicken plays hardball with the Seattle Mariners and the Baltimore Orioles tonight in the kingdom. And to kick us off here, we're starting with Ma Baker. Anyways, Ma Baker, take it away. I'm Patty Baker, a.k.a. Ma Baker. 
that's on your jersey, right? It's on my so jersey. So when you see her in the stadium, Ma Baker. Ma Baker. Tell say you hey her, to Ma Baker. Say hey to Ma Baker. You heard her on the Rye Bread and Mustard Mariners podcast. I've been on the scoreboard many times, Ma Baker's gang. Oh, yeah. Uh, because I've been coming to opening days, Mariner opening days since 1990. Wow. And Every I, opening day. Yeah. And get like a group of 60 people. And so I, Ma Baker gets up on the scoreboard. Damn. And um, I grew up a White Sox fan, but had to throw them to the to the wayside. Really? So why did you quit? Stop being a Chicago White Sox fan? Because uh, I, my family moved to Stanwood in 1970, and and actually I was an Oakland A's fan until '77. Wow! So, so that- I, I mean, the closest team to you know to Seattle was. The Oakland A's, so I followed them. And I mean, come on, the 70s, Vita Blue, Raleigh Fingers, yeah. give me a break. You know, I, how could you not like the Oakland A's? No, I love those Oakland A's. What about you, Hannah, all those guys? Oh, yeah, Raleigh Fingers is actually signing over here at the Fan Fest no later way. at 4 o'clock. Oh, my God. So then, so, so then uh, in 77, I became a Mariners fan. And... Um, that you know that that's great, but so my, all my family lives in Chicago. They were here on June seventeenth. We went to the White Sox Mariners game, and it just so happened that the White Sox won that day. <laughs> but um, we had a great time. Yeah. So you say you've been going to opening days since nineteen ninety. Can you uh, remember some of the more like like Kingdom opening days? How yeah, Kingdom was. I, I've been to a, a couple, you know, through the years, but look, we're sitting out here on a patio doing a, doing a podcast in the summer. We're about to walk in, I think, the most beautiful baseball stadium in baseball. Totally. Well, I, got but my- you, I was just going to say about that yeah. nice pin you have yeah. on your yeah. Mariner jersey. <laughs> so, That's awesome. What was the vibe like, you know, going to the bars or pre-gaming before the kingdom in those days? It was different. I mean, it, I don't think it was as, well, nobody went. And, and I mean, which is also the fun of, of hanging out in the kingdom with like 29 people <laughs> yeah. at the game, you yeah. know. Um, and usually, I mean, I don't even know that the opening day sold out. But um, no, it was fun. And I just remember going out and, you, and you know, like in the kingdom, you'd, you'd, go, you'd have to go outside and we'd go outside and smoke cigarettes and you can't see anything. No. You can't hear anything. You have no idea what's going on. And then you come back in the stadium and, and it's... Do you remember those old paper-type cups that they sold King beers in? Do you remember those? I remember throwing them. I remember throwing cups over the edge on the last <laughs> game in the kingdom. And I don't know if that's what they were, but they we were throwing. I just remember those in the old chocolate malts of the <laughs> yeah, dome. The malts. Oh, oh chocolate malts? Well, yeah. my, favorite, my favorite thing about the kingdom, I actually went opening day 1989. I went with either my Cub Scouts or my Little League team. I saw Griffey's first swing it swing oh my the, bat God. the year before. And why it's so memorable, and I've told Hanno this, I also the first time I ever had jalapenos or that fake nacho cheese, and I threw up so hard <laughs> I didn't go to school for a couple of days. But my favorite thing at the Kingdom, do you guys remember – the, the airplane game that used to be going on in there that people... Wait, oh, wait, it was, wait. no, it was poster night. Yeah. So everybody took their posters, 
fold them up as a paper airplane at 300 level and threw them out and see and everybody wanted to see how far they could get on the field I, I'll never forget that and that was a uh, I mean they they condone that or, or no, it was, I mean, oh, oh okay I they had all a right contest one time where like eat. I thought they had a contest where you could like throw the paper airplane inside the truck and then you won the truck. Oh, like in the kingdom, like wow. from the like. I remember Buner bus cut nights yes. out of the parking lot. Yes, Buner and, bus. and those were fun. So, I never, I never had the guts to do it, but. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, back in the kingdom, so on like an opening day, what was the bars to go to around here? Well, right? FX McCrory's. Yes, yeah. FX. That was the floor I had my first, first and drink. And like J&M and Central. But there was Sneakers. Where, yeah, where was that? Swannies. It was a little bit northeast of uh, the kingdom. Yeah, I remember Swannies. And... Was Sluggers? Sluggers been there. It was, it was sneakers, though. Yeah. It was right? sneakers. Sneakers, yes. Yeah, sneakers. sneakers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sneakers. Yeah. So you yeah. never, you weren't here when they had the All-Star game at uh, the Kingdom, obviously. That was, that was before no. your time. But uh, could you imagine if this All-Star game right now was in the Kingdom? That place was pathetic, you know? <laughs> I mean. We love it, but it, it was no, pathetic. Right, yeah. but I mean, it wasn't, um. Yeah, it was. Uh, I saw the Rolling Stones there. Yeah, it was horrible. That reminds me. I was at the game when the when the tiles fell. Oh and, yeah. And I remember Griffey turning around and looking at his family and going, "Get the f- out of here!" Well, you know? Oh, that was oh the earthquake. You were there during the was earthquake? it an earthquake? Yeah. No, or, or, no, no, no. I think it was just falling apart. Fell. It was just falling apart. Remember your kingdom history, Myron. Yeah. I know my kingdom <laughs> history, <laughs> motherfucker. <laughs> I know my way around the kingdom. Yeah. So, uh, so your jersey, how many different jerseys you got with Mob Baker? I have an Etro jersey. Yeah. I'm wearing that tomorrow for the All Star game. Okay. And then I just have some nice Mariner shirts um, that I bought like half price at the, at the store at the end of the season when they go on sale that, you know, nobody's specific or anything. It's like the so. Oscars. What will you be wearing tomorrow, Hannah? Right. <laughs> <laughs> He'll be wearing a rye bread and mustard uh, fresh, oh. off the, fresh off the... The, the Simply fresh Cora. Off the, fresh off the Simply.Cora uh, press uh, that we have down here. So what do you think about this fan fest? Uh, what Did you go... To, and what do you also think about the last All-Star game versus this All-Star game, the way, the way it's all set up now? Well, the last All-Star game in 2001... I didn't get to go. I only had tickets for the Futures game. Boring. Yeah. And, um, but this time, I, on Saturday, my brother and I went to the Capital One ballpark. My brother flew in from Chicago for the All-Star game. He's a White Sox fan. Yeah. But he built the world's largest baseball that's yeah. sitting in there yeah. in 1992 for the all-Star game in San Diego. Oh wow, that was a good. That was a, that was the one that Griffey won the MVP in. Say again. That's the uh, All-Star game that Ken Griffey Jr. won the MVP in. Oh, there you go. So, yeah. all right, all right. So, getting back to Close. opening days that you've been to since 1990, do you remember that opening day? It must have been 15, 20 years ago at Safeco Field when the roof was closed, but it snowed. Do you remember yes. that game? Yes. I was yes. there too. Incredible. Was, yes. I told, and I was up There's at the like 300 level. Day. I yes. think. Yeah. I was on. I was on the third base side up at the 300 level, and it was like, what the hell is going on? Yeah. Yeah. 
It snowed on opening. It snowed. It snowed. Freaking snowed. So how many people actually made it down here? Oh, it was oh, sold out. It was, yeah, it was sold out, and but and the roof was closed. But and I mean, what, we were all freezing, and it was oh, snowing. You yeah. know, so yeah, it was yeah. Picturesque because you looked out to the north of Safeco Field at the time. You looked through the you looked through the awnings of uh, the uh, retractable roof, and you saw the white snow coming coming down. It was beautiful. Yeah. Did I paint that picture good for you, Myron? Yeah. yeah. No, that I, was fun. That was I, a fun one. I am in a winter wonderland. I do remember that. Wow. Yeah. I, in my, in cool. my daydream here, I'm watching Lou Pinella, you know, putting a scarf around uh, a snowman that looks like David Bucky. Tegui, no, yeah, that David Tegui. David Tegui. Earlier, I'm sorry. <laughs> who's your, Who's your favorite Mariner of all time? Um. I guess I'd have to say J-Rod. Is that, like, kind of lame and pedestrian? But um, Already? I also like JP. I'm, uh, of all time? Oh, of all time. Yeah. All time. Um, Edgar. Edgar. Who, who's your most hated Mariner that you're like, I hated um, that guy? That guy, that pitcher, that mother... <laughs> um, Bobby Ayala? Oh God! What was his name? And see, I blocked it out. The pitcher, the close. He was a closer. Mike Schooler. No, he was like a, a, a Jose, Latinx guy. Um, Jose. Uh, he was a closer, and he was horrible. And he and and oh my God. Jose Mesa. Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> Jose Mesa. Jose Mesa. I think he was just bad during a time that the Mariners were really good, but. It was during we that period. We got him too late in his career. Yeah, we got him too late in his career. He, yeah, he was bad. He was bad. Um, his name was Senior Smoke. Oh, God. Well, no. <laughs> Senior Smoke out, you know. Yeah. I remember I remember a story that uh, um, that I heard that, like, there was when, when Lou Pinella was really fed up with the team and he opened the doors to the locker room and had a bus start up outside with the fumes coming in and he said you guys you smell that that's the bus to Tacoma and you're all going to be on it tomorrow if you don't oh, wow. pick it I've up you know <laughs> hey, Lou trying to give uh, senior smoke some carbon monoxide yeah. right, right. <laughs> and now what and a now, story and now he's trying to get everybody into the shag uh, shag right, buildings right. Uh, yeah well, what I, a transformation I, I, for Lou years ago the Mariners played in the old Kingdome. Oh, back in the 1990s. <laughs> this was uh, in uh, the Pinella years. We loved that ballpark when we were kids. They used to play a song during the seventh inning stretch called Louie Louie. Now that was music. The 1993 Mariners, when it all began, call for tickets. So as you heard there, I was really into this world's largest baseball and where it came from and how it got made. Uh, Ma came back the next day with Richard. We immediately hit it off, having a few cocktails, talking baseball. I was like, all right, I got to get paid for this conversation. <laughs> hit record. And uh, here we go. This is Richard Roeder. It's an all-star game. Who'd you bring down? Who'd you brought over here? I brought my brother, Richard Roeder, from... Oak Park, Illinois. Just outside He's the west side of Chicago. White Sox fan. White Sox fan. White Sox fan. So you were telling me you built the, at one point, the biggest, world's 
largest baseball? Well, it's still there. It's in 1992 for the San Diego All-Star Game. I was working for a production and events company, and they were working with, uh, we were the design and building for part for the Hyatt Hotel Corporation. Right. They had a division called Regency Productions by Hyatt, and they did all of PGA. They did uh, Major League Baseball. They did NBA. And so, and so we did... Uh, that the thing we did for Major League Baseball, San Diego, 1992, we built the world's largest baseball. It's a 12-foot diameter baseball. We built it for the one year for one-off. I think we charged about $14,000. And 31 years later, I went in yesterday to the play ball park, and there it is. It's still there. Hall of Famers have signed it and everything. And so this is the ball that all, they have, like, Tino Martinez was standing in front of. Correct. Brandon. Hall of Famers all signed on it. Yep. Oh, wow. They wanted it all. The, the, the difficulty was, so it's a 12-foot diameter, but they wanted no seams in it. So we had it had to split apart the way a baseball splits apart. So we spent a good, like, two weeks just trying to do math to figure out how to, how to build the baseball with curved plywood underneath. We had to put padding on it. They wanted it to feel and look like a real baseball. Every stitch on it is a hand-covered stitch on this thing. So Damn. it was pretty crazy. There's one seam on top you can't see. Otherwise, the seams follow the baseball. That's crazy. Did you go over there and, like, flex and tell people that's your ball or what? I went When I went over there, I looked at it. I said to, I said to my sister, I said, hey, I built that thing, 1992 San Diego All-Star Game. And I did tell a couple of people, and the one guy standing next to it said, how much does it weigh? And I was yeah. like, I have no idea. 31 years ago, I couldn't tell you. So do they take this around all the time? They take it around. It splits into four pieces, and it's got a, a base, and it all locks together. Yeah. So did you know it was going to be here? Did, so they do this at every all They did game? it for one year, and they were battling us on the price. And that's why we built it for $14,000 in 1992. So 31 years later, I think they got their money's worth. <laughs> yeah, I, I would think so. So you've been to a lot of all-star games? I've been to uh, my first all-star game was 1983 in Chicago. It's the White Sox. It was the 50th anniversary of the all-star uh, game because the first one was 1933 at Comiskey Park. And this was 83, also at Comiskey Park. Um, it wasn't the 50th All-Star Game, but it was the 50th anniversary of the All-Star Game. Because I think they missed one during World War II, and there were a couple of years where they were doing double games. They tried that. Didn't work very well. So 83, I went to that game. Uh, Ron Kittle was Rookie of the Year that year. They had those ugly, the red, white, and blue uniforms that they still, the throwback the uniforms. Ones with are the still with the collars on them? Say it again. Didn't they have collars? Collars were in the 70s with uh, th where they okay. tried shorts. They were wearing shorts for a couple of games, and that <laughs> fell apart. Yeah, they did like they had a doubleheader. They came out in the first one wearing the shorts, and I think the players re rebelled and said, no How way. How can you slide in shorts? I know, I know. So I was there in 83. I went to the, uh, I went 96. I went to the Philadelphia to the All-Star game. The other hat I'm wearing is 2002. I went there, Milwaukee, the only tie ball game in all-star game history. That was the game they went into the 10th inning and they'd used up all their pitchers. And in between, at the end of the 10th inning, managers, uh, uh, Bud Selig was the commissioner oh. and he was sitting off to the side because it was up in Milwaukee. I remember this. And they all, the managers, they're all doing this big conference. I was there with my son and I said, and I said it then, I said, something's up. I said, I don't think they have any pitchers left. And they ended up calling the game because there were no pitchers left. That, that, the that only tie in All-Star. the way they made that up the next year was, hey, the All-Star game, whoever wins it, the that league gets Has the home, home field, field advantage. in the World Series. That was the, the makeup call of makeup calls. 
Uh, Ma, uh, so you were, we talked before. You didn't know that the Chicago White Sox were going to actually be the Seattle Mariners That's here. That's correct. I did but not know that story. Your brother knows the story. He knows it. You know the story. Well, and I, I, I kind of remember, and actually our other brother would be the one. Either one of them are really the historians. But, uh, yeah, I do know that it was Bill Beck, who originally was Cleveland Cavaliers, or uh, Cleveland Indians, now the Guardians. Um, and if you remember, Bill Beck was the one that if you guys... Do you remember Eddie Guidel, the little person that he hired for one game, for one at-bat? I, I know this, the story. He, he did all kinds of crazy events, he right? Did, he was he's the one that started guy. creating promotions and events yeah. in baseball was Bill Beck with Cleveland, and he put together a group to buy the Chicago White Sox so that they wouldn't leave Chicago. And and and, But they were going to be here. They were going to be the Seattle Mayors, what, 1975? And the other part of that was Finley, who owned the A's, right. wanted to become the Chicago White Sox. Logo, colors, all that shit. Right, and right. then Major League Baseball blocked it, kind of made a, a makeup for it to the city of Seattle because they filed. I mean, that's how the Mariners ended up being here from right. basically uh, Major League Baseball trying to stay out of like a lawsuit, like a major, major lawsuit with the city of Seattle. Yep. That's I was exactly trying to remember. It. We went to. I went to two games at Six Stadium. One of them was the White Sox. Which one did we go to? I thought we were there for the White Sox, but oh, I well, truly maybe. can't remember. 1969. Yeah. I did go to the stadium, but then I was 11 years old, so uh, yeah. don't remember much about the game. But I know we, we were there. Yeah. How many stadiums have you been to? Oh my gosh, uh, quite a few. I all, when I when I travel, I try to jump into different stadiums. But uh, I've done events in a few stadiums too, which is fun. One of them was the Humphrey Dome. I did get to see a ball game in there, but I actually did an event inside the Humphrey Dome. Where's that? Uh, Hubert H. Humphrey Dome, Minneapolis, Minnesota, where oh. the Twins played. Oh. Now it's Target Target, Target, Target Field, Field they're yeah, playing oh, you in. Mean the Metro Dome. The Metro Dome, okay, but it was the, the HHH, right. Hubert H. Humphrey Metro Dome. We called it the Hump Dome, and that's what they called it up there. <laughs> were people humping in there? The Hump Dome, that's what it's did, called. Did, did, it was... They, it was an air, it truly was a tent, and it was supported by air. So the event that we did was on the field. You could only bring one truck in at a time through airlocks. You had to bring a truck in, shut the door, open the front door, bring it in, shut that door, and the next truck came oh in. Because it was all air. When you try to go out the doors there, it was like, it was really hard to open because it was all, it was, the thing was inflated by air, air pressure. Yeah, when they imploded that, it had it was a totally different explosion or breakdown than, than the Kingdom Than the Kingdom, because Kingdom was different. all concrete. All right, one more. I tested the sound in the Kingdom. Oh, shit. I was going to high school in 1975, and they brought somehow some guy we knew. We got to sit around before the Kingdom was open. We got to sit in different areas of the Kingdom, and they went through like a sound check where they would say like, you know. Um, Can you hear me now? Like No, like mist, gist. They would say like similar sounding, you know, S's or F's or like T or P. And we had these cards and we had to mark what section we were in and we had to mark what words we heard and then after it was over we all we just got to choose wherever we were when it was over we all walked in and handed in our cars because they were checking out how clear the sound system would be did at the any, kingdom did you guys have a little bit of, did they have any liberties with that i mean like after a while just to keep everybody going to meeting like, like jizz right, right. crap whiz balls jizz yes yeah. <laughs> no didn't they didn't do any of those but yep yeah, <laughs> that's amazing. I'm just so I'm still like thinking about that big ass baseball that you guys built. 
So, again, what was the reason for the baseball again? It was just, for 92 San Diego. So we were trying to get contracts. And actually what happened is I, I did a lot of work with the NBA. Through, the, through, through this Regency Productions, they were trying to get contracts to do. I was the director of operations, designer, and, and created the NBA Jam Session, which is the all-star weekend fan festival like Play Ball Park. Started in 1992 in Utah. Next year was at the Hump Dome. Then it was down in Phoenix. <laughs> Sorry, the Metrodome. <laughs> I'm calling it the Hump Dome now. <laughs> right, right. Hump. Dump. Yeah. Pump. Oh, sorry. I'm doing a little word test here. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, no, we would. Uh, uh, so we were trying to get in with Major League. We had NBA. We were trying to get in with Major League Baseball. I got to go to the game. I still have a whole bunch of, you know, memorabilia from it and everything. So what, that was at the old Jack Murphy so what Stadium. Have you, what have you built for that? Did you build any cool things like that for the NBA stuff? I haven't built. Well, because of that work, I then went. And, and on my own, I went and I sent out to every major league sports stadium. And that's how I got work with Philadelphia. I did interactive displays at Veteran Stadium. I did interactive displays at Kansas City, at Kaufman Stadium for the Royals. The things of like, they have like five baseballs. It's like a, a pitch pitch grip. It's like, how do you throw a curveball? And you take a baseball and you paint the fingers on it. You can walk up to it and like hold how you, you know, how you do it. There's like a... It was a bunch of different interactive displays, just static displays. This is back in the 90s. This isn't like, you know, it wasn't that high tech. It was all static display stuff. But I did, I know I did, uh, I, I, I did, I did White Sox. I did uh, Kansas City. And I did, um, who, who else did I just say? Philadelphia. And there was one other. But then we also did, ba I did basketball. I did, I did the 76ers. I did, uh. And I did some hockey stuff too. For I did Bulls and the and the Blackhawks in Chicago. So, yeah. So I was doing a whole lot of sports interactive. Hey Richie, there's a couple guys here to see you. Hey, what can I do for you guys? Your name Zisk. Yeah, that's right. Who are you guys? We're uh, from Chicago. Yeah, I noticed your uh, white socks. So, what do you want? We understand you're pretty good with a bat. Yeah, I uh, do okay. How about maybe tonight you strike out a few times? You know, maybe uh, pop up. What do you say? Oh, I'm sorry, gentlemen. I couldn't possibly do that. I'm a mariner. So, you're a White Sox fan. Yeah, like who, who's, who's your favorite White Sox that's ever Oh, probably. There? You know, I go back to, I mean, when I was a kid, and I, again, it really was 60s and 70s, and I got to say, like, Ken Berry, center field, Tommy McGraw at first base, Louis Aparicio, the shortstop. Aparicio. I mean, those are all the 60 those players. Those are great baseball names. They were, uh, they, yeah. you know, I like those, those were the guys that I really grew up. And again, that were, you know, almost lifelong on the team. It's it's a little tougher these days. I, you know, hey, it was fun to see Luis Roberts here. You know, yes. uh, at the home run derby. Wish he would have gone a little further, but it's harder now. Yeah, and they just trade. You know, they trade Abreu last year to those terrible Houston Astros. Yeah, and he that, sucks. Yeah, I know. <laughs> you traded him like, at the right time. Yeah, no kidding. But I mean, you know, it's like there's like there's still some players. I again, I followed it when they really players stayed with the team, and you could really learn a team. There was another beauty of growing up in Chicago, and it wasn't just the White Sox, it was the Cubs. Yeah. So we could sit there and go to a White Sox game and a Cubs game. I mean, I had the opportunity to see Willie Mays, Hank Aaron, Carl Yastrzemski, Frank Howard, you know, these like 60s and in the 70s, some of these both National League and American League players. And that's because you get to see two games in one day because uh, Wrigley Field didn't have lights. Correct. Right? Correct. For yep. till, what, 87? 88, I believe. 88. 88. Mark, so because it was supposed to be 88. 
I think it was supposed to be 8888 was supposed to be the uh, the first night game, and I believe it got rained out. Growing up in Chicago and being a White Sox fan, how is that opposed to being a Cubs fan? It's a it's it's a it's always a it's always a battle. I mean, I we we went to school on the west side. I grew up just outside Chicago, but we went to school on the west side of Chicago, which was a pretty heavy. Uh, still a Cubs Cubs group. So my best friends. My best friends were Cubs fans, and yeah, you know, there was, you always, you, you, we, you torture each other. You know, we appreciated the fact that we could go to National League, but hey, sorry, I am not a Cubs fan. You know, <laughs> here, a good example, I was doing a show in Philadelphia, and they had the Maddox brothers were pitching against yep. each other. Cubs were in town, and the bet I had with the guy that was set, I, I was saying I've never worn a Cubs hat in my life, and he said if, uh, if, if Greg, Greg and Phil, no, Greg and uh, his brother, Gary, Anyway, if, if, if Cubs win, you you got to wear a Cubs hat. Cubs won, I had to wear a Cubs hat all day. Probably the worst day of my life. But what's a what's a better drinking ballpark, Wrigley Field or, or Comiskey? Oh man, Comiskey all the way. What? Okay, really? Come on, Wrigley Field is a bunch of yuppie Northsiders. You know, I mean, Comiskey is like we used to uh, imbibe on a lot more than alcohol up in the uh, stands in uh, back Comiskey back in the seventies and eighties. You'd go. We used to love it when there's 8,000 people in this park and you go up to the upper deck out in the right field or left field and you could uh, have your cigarettes and other s- smoking things. <laughs> and uh, no, we to Washington. Come on. Yeah, yeah. Let's get it. Let's get it. Anyway, it was... Special limitations, you're okay. Yeah, yeah but that, I know, back to that, that 70s and... The, no, I really, uh, I, you know... Hey, come on. Comiskey Park is where Disco Demolition was That's in the 70s. That's what I was 70s. about to bring up. So you know, you want to talk you, about were partying. Were you around for Disco Demolition? I was not at that ball game, thank God, but I was around at so the time. I knew all about listeners, it. listeners that might not know, what, tell us about Disco Demolition. That, well, that was uh, Steve Dahl, Gary Meyer. I think it was the WLUP, The Loop. They were two pretty revolutionary. I think Dahl is still around. They were... They were, um, you know, early like shock jock kind of stuff, but they right. were regular rock and roll. And and interestingly enough, Steve Steve Dahl's group was the Coho Salmon Lips was his like groupies, his group. That's what they called him, which I loved. It's like he never salmon was lips. They the, get the Coho they get Salmon Coho. Lips. I know. I don't know why. You can look that one up and figure it out. But uh, no, it was crazy. Well, it was a double header, and it was done in between the double headers. And, and they, they ended up, the they couldn't game. play the second game. They tore the field up. It was uh, 25 cent beer night or 10 cent beer night. It was, I, I, I believe it was. Well, the thing is there were fans out. I mean, they were all, it was completely sold out and they were also all outside the yeah. park. What they did is, and they all had disco records and they not only did they blow them up and set the field on fire, but they were flying record, you know, doing like, uh, frisbee with records out of the stands During and stuff. It was nuts. So, 10 cent okay. beer night. A lot of things went wrong. They say you, if you brought a disco record, you could get into the game for free. Yep. But when you looked at those records, not all of those records were disco right, records. Right, right, right. It was mostly just like soul, and it was like good. Yeah, it was some good. It was some good music. Yeah, it was some good music. This is a bigger issue. Yep. There was a yeah, bigger yeah. issue. I, I believe too. It felt like it was like a. Um, like an attack on the it, racism it, and against LBGQ. It absolutely was, right? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so it was like homophobic, racist. Like, yep. It was like anything that black people are listening to, bring it here and we're going to blow it up. Right. And like, black people in disco dancing yeah, exactly. in the club. It's yeah. like, so, and actually going back to Bill Beck, his son was the one who, who talked him into doing that promotion. 
and I can't remember his name, but Bill Vexon, who was taking over on the marketing, he's the one that did that promotion and very quickly got out of baseball and marketing, I believe. Yeah, it backfired on him hard, hardcore. <laughs> and it's, uh, you know, the, the thing about the Chicago White Sox, you guys have a couple of like that, and you have the Black Sox. You got some of the, <laughs> some of the worst bad things that in baseball that have, yep. have ever happened. Yep. Well, and I think Cleveland, I think, and I don't know that it was Vec, but Cleveland did that same thing in the 70s of like a 10-cent beer night or something. Where that it just, went bad. Yeah, it went nuts. And they like, you know, had the same thing. I think they forfeited they the game Yeah, they had to bring in the riot squad yep. and, and yeah. everything. What the equivalent of a 10-cent beer night to be now with inflation? $5 beer night? <laughs> right. <laughs> Seven yeah. fifty. yeah. Cashless. 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 <laughs> credit cards only. Yeah, credit Cashless card only beer. Yeah. The World Series, where a pitch is not just a pitch, it's a World Series pitch. Where a hit is not just a hit, it's a World Series hit. A win is not just a win, it's a World Series win. Now you've got a chance to win a trip to the 1984 World Series by entering Major League Baseball's Grand Slam sweepstakes at all Major League ballparks and participating retailers. Baseball fever, catch it. The preceding message was furnished by Major League Baseball. All right, so this back half of this conversation, you're going to start to hear Carl Tart. You're going to hear Colin McGirt as we bullshit about where the best tailgating and the worst tailgating is around MLB. And we get to hear a little bit about the jail that was under Comiskey Park and hear Richard's case of why, why Comiskey Park is a better tailgate and party scene than Wrigley Field in Chicago. You know, uh, back in the kingdom, so on like an opening day, what was the bars to go to around here? Well, right? FX McCrory's. Yes, yeah. FX. That was the floor I had my first, first and drink. And like J&M and Central. But Swanies. there was Sneakers. Where, yeah, where was that? It Swanies. Was, it was a little bit northeast of uh, the kingdom. Yeah, I remember Swanies. And... Was Sluggers? Sluggers been there. It was sneakers, though. It was sneakers. Yeah, sneakers. Yeah, sneakers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's so. It was all these indoor places. Right. Obviously, right. we're talking right. the end of March, beginning of April. I mean, because this this wasn't here, you know. Yeah. No, if you guys remember, <laughs> we had the Kingdom, and then we had that. Remember when they made that makeshift white bubble? It's kind of right over here on the south parking lot of the Kingdom. Do you guys remember that at all? I do. I know you you're remember talking about Yeah, I do. Yeah, it was kind of like it was kind of like a half moon shaped kind of white bubble that they erected later on in uh, the Kingdom era that fans would go into and hang out and party. Maybe it might have been more of a Seahawk gathering place. Well, you know, now that I think of it, I remember tailgating for Mariners games, being in the parking lot. And um, a couple of times, some friends rented like an RV that we could, you know, have a kegerator in it yeah. and, and just hang out in the parking lot. So, and have a place to use the bathroom too, if you needed it, you know, yeah. but um, it was great. I Yeah, that's what I, tailgating in the kitchen. They had a big parking, parking lot. lot on the south side and then they, they would uh, like uh, rope it off so that the players could get to their bus. And they had, they had to walk past you, and that's where you went and got autographs, like, after the game. Remember that well for the autographs. You're exactly right. Yeah. So, Carl, down at, down at you go to a Dodgers game, what, what's the what's the pregame, basically, Silver Lake would be it? Or 
uh, a pregame like party in in uh in at Dodger State. I guess it will be like shortstop before this bar Henry right there. Some people just go downtown and hang out downtown. Uh, but it's not really. It's in an area that's kind of far away. So that's what a lot of people complain about. That there's a couple bars down on Sun, on Sunset in the Echo Park area. Echo Park probably where you go mostly, but there's bars all around it. But up there, it ain't really much up there because it's not like a, a centralized park. It's it's like out of the way. And they don't. I've never hung out. I've hung out once or twice in Dodger Stadium parking lot, but they're that's a no. No, no tailgating. tailgating. Yeah, it's, it's strict up there. Yeah. Uh, what do you think is the best uh, tailgate party uh, stadium you've been to? Well, I mean, yeah, I've never been to Chavez or being Angel Stadium or Anaheim. I mean, I've gone through so many different names. That's kind of a cool stadium. Ah. Um, well, you know, I, 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 I liked it. I enjoyed it. The, um, and the new Petco down in San Diego, I think it's cool. Jack Murphy was weird. It was so far out. But, um, I, I mean... They used. I mean, the thing is that we used to do in the in the seventies. I mean, the tailgating at Comiskey was huge, uh, and and I mean, we used to really enjoy that there. Um, and, and and I think it was kind of a start of you know. I mean, that, that was a lot more tailgating, <clears throat> like the football, but the Southsiders they know how to they know how to tailgate. So I don't know. I mean, I still again. I, I'll, I'll remember the old times, and I'll say that Comiskey still had some of the best tailgating. They had great parking lots, you know. Now, Colin, what's it like at a Philadelphia? What's the what's the tailgate? What's the what's the party scene before and after you're going to a Phillies game? I've never uh, been there. It's insane. I, I I will put Philadelphia tailgate up there as the biggest party scene uh, before a baseball game. That I can I imagine think anybody it's bigger than this. It's bigger than uh, whatever. Did you say Anaheim? Anaheim <laughs> wouldn't let me and my brother tailgate. That was the worst. Uh, Anaheim tailgating is nothing. They, they were discouraged it completely. Yeah, nowadays you can't do anything. I went to Petco for the World Series. That was a pretty good. Uh, that's the only game the Phillies lost uh, uh, in that series against the Padres. They partied pretty good. Uh, it was kind of like this where the bars are right outside the stadium. In Philly, it's just all parking lots. There's nothing you can do but tailgate. And I've gone just to tailgate before. I've never gone in to watch the game. We never go in to like the third inning. You right. know what I mean? And nobody does. You're out there barbecuing, uh, you know, playing, throwing a football around. There's constantly Eagles chance, even at Phillies games. Uh, that's that's the party uh, the party tailgate for sure. I would always associate Philly with like, hey, there's some good drinking, some good. Philly was shit. so I did work there, and it was the old Veteran Stadium. Veteran Stadium was like a cave on the inside. Now, Remember, I was know, like cold went, and dank, and it was like. I went when I was a kid, so I don't have a lot of memories except for you know uh, pissing in a trough. Uh, that's the, you know, at, at, at eight, nine years old, being like eye level. That's with a my bunch favorite of thing dogs, about Oakland. You yeah. still piss in a trough. One of the bathrooms in one of these bars. I was surprised last night. We went out. I had to piss in a trough. Uh, but in uh, the vet, it was rumored. I don't know if this is true that they had a, a jail down uh, underneath because there was so many bar fights. Uh, or bar fights, there's so many drunk brawls and things that, like that would happen that they had a drunk tank where you'd get sentenced and like just right away, boom, boom, you're in. You got to spend the night in the vet. 
in the That's drunk actually tank. pretty cool. Yeah. They had it at Comiskey too. I don't know. I don't know who I bailed out of it, but I bailed somebody out of it once. That they had the Chicago police had their area, and it was they had three lockups there, and they if you got too wild, they put you in there. So yeah, I believe that it was there. Hey. Yeah. Philly's tough. That stadium was tough. When we did the work there, they said, you have to make these things un, like indestructible. I was like, yeah, fine, fine, fine. We put it in. A month later, they called me. I had to fly back out because, like, baseballs were ripped off the pieces. And they were, like, silly little. It's like nothing. You can't do anything with them. No, Philly was a, that was a tough stadium. They'd rip themselves apart if they could. <laughs> That's great. Whoa. That's a wrap on Tacos and Tequila. Volume 3 will be down there at Tacos Tequila this Sunday. And once again, thank you for liking, subscribing, and following. Go check us out on YouTube as well. And say hi to us on the socials. We're on Twitter or X or whatever you want to call it. And Instagram and Facebook. All right, I'm going to shut the hell up and get out of here. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Hanno, you know what? God, I always do this, don't I? Boop-a-doop-a-doop-a-doop-a-doop-a-doop-a-doop-a-doop-a-doop-a-doop-a-doop-a-doop-a-doop-a-doop-a-doop-a-doop-a-doop-a